Oh, hey. Oh, what's up? Yeah, hey, everybody's guys. back. Everybody hey. uh, hit record and everybody just scattered. Disappeared. <laughs> Welcome we back. With, uh, we came up with a good idea that the second before you hit record, we both had to go get notes. Yeah. <clears throat> well, how, how is everybody doing? Everybody staying well? I'm staying doing good. Too? I'm doing, doing good. good. Back to 100%. I think I had the flu a little bit this week. Fluish. Fluish. But I'm good. You know me, Fluish. I just ignore it completely. But it was mm. fluish. I went out to Total Boat and we did a Christmas Wonderland. And Jackman, thank you, Paul. Paul laser cut my shop and his shop at the same time. And then I decorated my shop. So if you guys get a chance to go check out the Total Boat Christmas Wonderland that they conceived of. And it involved a lot of their products. It was just an excuse, really. They just said they wanted an excuse to have like a Christmas hangout. So they said, let's get everyone together and make something. It was fun. We had a really good time. I got to hang out with Derek, and we went on a big garbage pick. It was fun. <laughs> and then I drove. Are things are that bad. Uh, and, uh, no, a, fr- a friend of mine reached out to me and said, you know, there's a small town in Massachusetts. The guy is giving, he's selling, possibly giving away a lot of materials. And I mentioned it to Derek. Derek's like, that's 30 minutes away. So we made plans. We went on Sunday. You see some of the pictures and stories that were on the Instagram then. So that evening, I drove back to New York. About 5 o'clock, I left Boston, driving back to my area, Albany, New York. And it's a 200-mile ride, three-hour drive, and drove directly into a snowstorm. I was just Mm -hmm. counting on the highway being clear enough for two tracks of a tire. And there were moments where there was no tracks of a tire and no taillights to follow. It wasn't quite blizzard conditions, but there was a few moments there where the snow was blowing directly into the high beam or the, the beams, not high beams, low beams of the headlights when I could barely see anything. Just kind of making sure there was no taillights in front of me and just watching the, the railing, that I was keeping a consistent parallel distance from the, the railing on the highway. So it was a little treacherous. So a three-hour drive turned into about a six-hour drive. It was fun. It was really fun. And like the timing was such that I... <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds really fun. <laughs> I, gave, I gave the guys my, my Chevy truck, my old Chevy truck, to, to put new tires on, my 2018 truck, to put tires on because I took that for the ride. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to Boston this weekend. They're like, okay, no problem. And I kept... So the day I had to leave, I kept saying, is my car ready? They're like, you know what? We did the oil change, but we don't have time for the tire change if you want to take it and bring it back right after the weekend. It's like, sure, no problem. The only time I needed new tires in the last mm. three years was the day I drove home <laughs> with my old tires. But I, I made it safely. But it was fun. It was really fun testing your will. It's like, can I, I could melt snow and drink snow for six hours. I'm trying to think of ways I'm going to survive once my car is in the ditch right past the other car I just drove by that was in the ditch. Yeah, I drove past about six cars that were in the ditch. Mm. And, you know, blinkers and flashes. And several cars getting pulled out of the ditch, getting pulled off of the guardrail. So it was, uh, it was challenging. Those are the moments where you test your will. Like, just drive 30 miles an hour and don't slide. <laughs> that, I, that stuff, it wears me out. Like, oh, no, you get home and I, I felt like I played a football game, you know, because my neck was tense and everything was tense from mm-hmm. just trying to be aware and be there. Yeah, that like high alert it yeah. feels like everything is on. Yeah. I mean, even even driving at night in perfect weather gives me that feeling. And I think it's something to do with 
I don't, I don't know what the the eye condition is when things are when bright lights are really flary in your eyes. Mm-hmm. There's a name for that. I don't know what it is. Um, but I think that's always bothered me. So when I drive at night, even in great weather, I have every headlight is like, you know, an explosion and it has like flares sticking out. And so I'm really concentrating to kind of keep track of where the center points of all the lights are and where the headlights actually are and stuff. It's a funny thing. Nowadays, all cars have like brights as normal headlights yeah. and then super brights. Is the So up here, when you drive around because it's very rural and there's no streetlights, Everybody's giving each other the brights, and then they mm. give back the brights. So mm-hmm. you think my lights, your lights are bright, mine are not. Bright. Oh, now these are the brights. It's the attitude with everybody that drives past each other up here. I like so that I thing. never flash anybody the brights. I don't ever do that ever anymore because most of the time you're guessing. You're like, is that just the regular headlights or are those the brights? Yeah. And you try it, and then you get blasted with the attitude. In front of your car melts from all of the lights. Yeah. <laughs> and then up here, everyone's got a giant pickup truck. So it's like regular lights, most likely, it just happened to be pointing over your dashboard. I remember one time I was behind some car and they flashed their brights at somebody coming towards both of us. It was like a big truck like that. And instead of just flashing the brights back, they did like the light bar and the fog lights. And, <laughs> the, you know, like they have one master switch that's yeah. like, I have love 360 it. lighting. And it was. <laughs> It's like a bomb went off. It was just yeah, that so guy like, drives around holding like a thumb fob, just, yeah, waiting, just waiting, waiting mm-hmm. for like the somebody bug. flash. Hey, me. Come it. on, <laughs> yeah. But I also so I got back this weekend. I did yesterday was was Tuesday. I started epoxy fiberglass epoxying the bottom of the boat, which was exciting. It was a bit of a an emotional rush and nerve wracking and all that fun stuff. But I got one half done because it's a keel down the middle and the epoxy fiberglass doesn't curve over sharp edges. So I have to go up to the keel and go straight up. So I got one 90 degree bend in the fabric where it hits the keel and goes up and I'm going to trim it. And then today I'm going to do the other side. And then so what's the very up. tip of that keel where it's those pieces meet? It's going to be a natural flat piece of wood. It's about, oh. it's about the three eighths of an inch wide. And I might put a steel or a brass rib on it which is what you would do on the, the, the nose of a canoe. They sell this, like, three-eighth-inch-wide half-round brass, which I would put on there. So I'm probably going to do that. But either that or just put a nice piece of, like, hardwood, barely thin strip, something, something to add a little accent. But I'm also going to epoxy the inside of the boat, so I'll have a clean piece from, from gunnel across the bottom to the other gunnel. So it'll all be completely sealed up, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Yep. So that's good. Like I said, that that fiberglass doesn't make turns very well. You gotta ha- you have to kind of dead end it into a a corner, or if you can make a ninety degree, you really have to babysit it because it always wants to relax the flat. It's always going to pull out of that corner. So you have to get right at that moment where the epoxy begins to get real sticky, like honey, and just keep pushing it in. So once I get started, I had to just stay there. It took a few hours, hmm. and today I'm going to do the other side. Good stuff. I've only tried fiberglass once, and it was a kind of a disaster. I need to find it's always, another even for it. even when you have all the training, it's still a disaster. It's just mm. it's always a fire drill. <laughs> no matter what, you get epoxy on your telephone. I actually I did the right thing this time. I wrapped my camera. Like you ever see if if any of you guys have ever Dave, you get a couple tattoos. You you go to tattoo artists, they wrap everything stretch wrapped with 
like a, the cellophane so like mm. everything stays somewhat sanitized i did that with my camera last night with blue tape i wrapped it all up with blue tape so every time i had to touch it i left fingerprints in the blue tape and that worked oh yeah really, that's a good idea really well yeah so because the epoxy gets on everything it's in your eyebrow and then you go to wipe it off and you go to wipe it off with like a big glob that was on the inside of your wrist you didn't notice and then you just make it worse i have a question for you so i had an epoxy pour last week that didn't quite cure and i have one of those silicon blue mats that i was using mm -hmm. to to pour on there well part of that epoxy that didn't cure because it wasn't mixed right got onto the floor because the mat fell onto the floor so now there's this sticky part on my floor that is just been sticky for a week i don't know yeah. how what's a good way to remove that uh, alcohol I, isopropyl isopropyl alcohol or baby powder okay uh, when you know baby powder is a good thing to keep on hand when you're doing i do the printing press and you need to quickly get like globs of ink off of something i just douse it with baby powder and wipe it really hard and then the baby powder absorbs it all <clears throat> so anytime i'm working with anything super sticky like that i keep baby powder on to at least get rid of the annoying sticky factor mm -hmm. quickly but then if you had to do cleanup, you could use acetone or you can use alcohol. Isopropyl alcohol dissolves resin, uncured resin. That's, that's good. Thank you. Cool. My, well, David, my turn? What have you been up to? Yeah. I had a really interesting week since, uh, since we mm -hmm. talked last. So a few months ago, we had to pause the podcast for a few seconds while a jet engine flew over my house. I don't know if, uh, if you guys remember this, but, uh, we, you know, we, we stopped. I'm like, oh, a plane just flew above my house. Sorry about that. Turns out that one of our listeners, his name is Paul. I don't know his rank. Uh, so sorry, Paul, but he works for and with the local, uh, air force base. And he reached out to me and said, hey, do you want a behind-the-scenes tour and watch uh, like a F-16 flight takeoff plus Whoa. check out where we build and rebuild the engines? I'd say yes. And I was like, heck yes. And so he's like, you can, you can have a few guests. So we took the in-laws and Kelly and my brother went and it was the most amazing I don't know what I was expecting, but it blew all my expectations out of the water. So we got to see, I think it was eight of them take off at uh, just when it turned dark. So you got to see the big flames coming out of the, out of the back of the engine. And that was super impressive. And just to see where they work on the engines and the, the, the maintenance room and all the behind the scenes stuff was just absolutely so cool. And uh, they had a beautiful... 9-11 uh, memorial there i guess they were uh, when 9-11 was happening they were in in the air ready to do the oh, wow. do their thing yeah um just hearing some great stories and a lot of great behind the scenes and it was uh it was just an amazing experience so so thank you paul for that and one of the things, like, I'm pretty organized here in my shop, so I wanted to see how the government organizes their stuff. So when we were in the in the shop, I'm like, am I allowed to open up the drawers and see all the tools? <laughs> and he's like, go ahead. And we were allowed to take photos of anything except for the cockpits, which was which was pretty fun. And so uh, everything is is labeled, and or, all the tools are organized. All the parts are every everyone has a tag or is supposed to have a tag, and 
uh, it was just great to hear everybody's everybody's stories on like uh, how how things work, how parachutes work, how the engines work. Um, it was just a really awesome experience. So thank you, Paul. And then after that, I got to or I went to uh, Zach from ZH Fabrications has a monthly meetup down in Columbus, Ohio. And my buddy Brian, our buddy Brian Prusa has been trying to get me to go for a long time. And every month I have some reason why I can't go. And and uh, I was able to make it down this month. And that was really fun. So I got to hang out with Zach and Brian and a few other people and watch Zach turn a railroad tie or a railroad spike into a, a gnome. So I got to see Zach do his thing, which he's just amazing awesome. at. Yeah. And then uh, Brian let me stay at his place. And then I met some friends the next day while in Columbus. I, I saw some of the comments on Instagram and, and Facebook of uh, people saying, oh, you finally got Dave out of the house, which I thought was was hilarious. So I had a really interesting and, and fun week. So a lot has happened since the last time we talked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I took a kid to soccer practice <laughs> and then another soccer practice. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. That sounds like a, a bunch of fun stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Oh, cool. Um, I I did actually take a bunch of people to soccer practice this week. <clears throat> that's kind of where my time goes now. Um, I have been working on been working on the Land Cruiser a little bit more. I found a couple other little things to to figure out and trying to go back and do the maintenance on it that I don't know that the previous owner did. I think he did. He seemed like he was like care of things and change all the fluids and stuff but I'm trying to get through all that just to see um, just to make sure that it's all done you know so I've been doing that stuff uh, I made some floating shelves for our kitchen did I talk about the floating shelves already Last you said week? you were gonna you were talking about making them very sturdy yeah so I did and they are but it was also a big big pain in the butt and it was one of those things that, as I was making it <clears throat> the first time, they, um, I was like, "Man, this is going, this is going really well. Like, this is like super fast. Like, we're gonna get this whole thing done in a day, and it's fine." And then I got to putting them in the wall, and realized a mistake that I'd made that made it just way more difficult, and just it was stupid. And I got really frustrated, and so I had to back off for the weekend. And then over the weekend, kind of fresh start, just did it again, made a very small change that made it go perfectly. <laughs> it was fine, and uh, they're really strong. They're nice looking. I mean, they're very simple. It's not a complicated thing at all, but uh, it was just, it was a good lesson in, you know, I, I specifically can get really just like, all right, let's go. Let's just do the thing. And then... It's funny because I have the two sides of it. Sometimes I will way overthink things and not do anything for a long time because I want to think all the way through it. And sometimes I just jump in and just go without really thinking enough. And it almost always comes back to bite me. So I should know better, but I don't. Um, and it was one of those cases where I just jumped in, just should have put in 10 more minutes of thinking before I did it. And then I could have... Can I, can I ask you, is it a secret how you did it? Can I get? Can I ask you if you did it the way I'm thinking? Tell me how you're thinking, and I'll tell you if that was it. If you find two studs, try and drill a, a hole directly into those studs and put a spike into those studs and then put that spike into the shelves. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Because that's a sturdy, sturdy way. The thing I did wrong or overlooked was how necessary getting those holes uh, completely parallel to each other. Mm -hmm. And I also started with three holes across three studs, which just compounded all the difficulty. So um, when I took the time to back off from it and think through what I did, I made a plan to make those holes perfect, perfectly parallel, uh, perpendicular to the surfaces that they were going into, which just made all the difference in the world. Did you make, so, you could have made, and maybe you did, maybe you didn't, you could have made a jig in the shop, like something that, say, might be like a two-by-four, for instance, with like a big, like a two-by-four screwed to a piece of plywood so it makes it parallel and perpendicular. And then mm -hmm. on a drill press, put your pre-drilled holes in it. So then put that on the wall, level it, and then drill through the two-by-four on the long side. And that will keep your drill parallel and keep your holes level and in planar. That, yeah. that that's, would be something. Because when I would have to do installs in the city, I'd have to try and think through everything so I can get in there and leave as quickly as possible. Right. And not and have to come back. Not, and not have to come back and fix stuff. So I would overthink these type of installs to mm -hmm. the to the max and try and come up. And, and I would come up with some elegant solutions to do stuff like that. Yeah. So it was a, you know... A, a learning weekend. How many uh, holes did you have to patch? Uh, three. Oh, so there the, you go. the initial three that I put in, <laughs> I, well, so, you know, I'm drilling into the studs, and and this is like a five eighths inch hole mm -hmm. because I was putting in steel rods and I wanted them to be overly strong, and that's a lot of a stud to take away. I, I recognize yeah. that. But you're also filling it up with steel, so yeah. in compression, that stud is fine. But, I mean, it's not going to matter unless the house is in an earthquake. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I had to go back and fill these holes with a 5 eighths inch dowel and glue to fill the void so that I would then have a surface to put the new hole back into. And, you know, so I ended up with two holes, and it was more than enough. <laughs> well, I couldn't do less than two holes, but it was enough. <laughs> um, so it worked out. But it was a frustrating weekend, but it was also really nice to... Once I took the mo the time to think through it and just do it the right way, which took about the same amount of time as the original one, it was just the right way. It went, they went right into the wall. Plenty strong. Everything worked as it should. Um, another issue along the way was that uh, as I was planing down this, this is like a two inch thick cherry shelf. So it's like two by 12 inches, four feet long, big shelf. I was planing this down, and it got to a point where the it just kind of like started to bog down a little bit. And before I could get to the crank to back it off to let it not bog down, it just went crazy noise-wise and stopped spinning the head. And it turned out that there's a urethane belt inside our inside my planer, and it melted that belt. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It just like fell apart because there was this big globs that just got hot enough on this little pulley and yeah i don't know um hmm. so i had to wait several days for that to come in but that caused the initial shelf that i thought i was done planing pretty much it wasn't actually flat it looked flat but i didn't in the moment of being frustrated about the planer i didn't take the time to like really double check to see if the shelf was flat so then Moving ahead without taking that moment to check that caused some of the unsquare unlevelness, you know, of the whole thing. So whatever. Anyway, 
I figured it out. Nothing is Went simple. Back and started Lesson over. learned. <laughs> Lesson yeah. is yeah. a simple floating shelf is not simple at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big thing for me is just being being aware in the moment to to like stop and be like, okay, let me just take a breath and double check everything and not assume that anything is is good enough or is is flat or is square or is whatever, you know, check everything. So that's something I'm going to try to get myself in the better habit of doing. Um, but so I did that and then we started working on the next, next video, which is really silly and hopefully will be fun to watch, but I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> we're uh, we're skipping this, skipping this week to just give ourselves a little breather because, because of all those troubles that that thing took longer than it was supposed to. And so we're skipping this. We're going to have two more for the rest of the year. Um, so that's what we're doing. That's cool. Yeah. I'm involved in a, a Secret Santa situation for YouTube, and my video will post this week, I think Sunday or Monday, for my secret my participation in the Secret Santa. And I'm still waiting on my gift. I don't know who mm-hmm. it's coming from, but I'll get that. And so I need that little clip of me opening it up and going, <gasps> and saying thank you. Oh, there's, oh, there's the thumbnail comes. right there. You had shock yeah. face. <laughs> yeah. Googly eyes. So I'll do home alone face. But uh, I'm waiting on that. So I don't know. If it does, it doesn't come in on time. The coordinator of the whole event keeps checking everybody's delivery. I, mine was built and sent out and got to its destination. So now I'm waiting on mine. Do you know who it's from? I don't. And that, that'll be the surprise when I get the package. Mm. I know who it could be from. I know the candidates, but I don't know who. This is right. a secret. Gotcha. I'm hoping it's one from one particular person or two. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get gifts from two people. I don't think that's how that game works. <laughs> no, if I get one from either of those two YouTubers, I'd be very happy. Yeah. It'd be exciting. I have a, so I, I, we don't have a topic today. So I have a question for you, t- you two. Okay. Do you remember making anything for your folks as a kid? I made a lot like, of stuff in for shop kids. class or whatever. Yeah, I made a lot of stuff for the for the house. You know, generally for general use in the house. I, I made a chessboard before I understood wood movement, and now it's in pieces in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And I was like, oh, I, gotta, I made that when I was in twelfth grade—a chessboard, just all solid chunks all the way through walnut and maple. And it's in like five pieces in the basement. Like my mother puts it near the workshop that I grew up in so that one day when I'm home, I'll go down there and fix it in the old ghost, <laughs> in the ghost, in the old ghost workshop. Hmm. I so never I took shop else. class. Oh. So I never had the opportunity to, you know, in school or something to make a gift like that. I don't know that I made. I know when I was in college, I made a birdhouse for my mom, just like. I was broke, <laughs> and that was a kind of one board thing that I could make with the tools that I had on our porch at our apartment. Is that still then, around? Yeah. Actually, they they moved recently, a couple weeks ago, and I remember seeing it in the moving process. I'm like, oh, look at that. That's cool. Um, and then when I was in college, I also worked at a candle shop. Have I ever told you guys about that? I don't believe so. Oh. I, I worked in a candle shop. And in Savannah, there's at least two of these places, and I'm sure, you know, these other cities have them too, but we had two of them. And it's where they make the really fancy candles that have, like, lots of flowery overlay 
things with tons of different color. Have you ever seen these? You, you like slice into them and bend down the corners and yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah. So I didn't do that. I did the grunt work that nobody saw in the guys in the owner's garage. So I would go out to his garage, and he had three or four big kilns. Um, I don't know if they call them kilns for that, but these big wax-melting vats. And then we had these aluminum or stainless steel forms that were shaped like stars. So it was like you took a star shape and you extruded it into like a 12-inch long tapered thing. So we had a bunch of these. And so I would take these like a gallon jug, dip it down in this big thing of wax, of molten wax, and then fill up these forms that had... um, you know, like long wicks in them and everything. And so I would make a batch of these candle bases or these cores. And by the time I got to pouring the last one, the first one was probably hard enough and I could flip it over and pop the core out. And so I would make a few hundred of these big 12-inch cores every day. And I was just sticking my hand in hot wax the whole time. It was crazy. Anyway, so that's what I did. It was not very interesting to look at, but it was when I made my mom a candle... Uh, it was the first time I got to take one of the cores and actually go to the, where all of the colored wax was and Dip do the them. dipping. So you take this core, and then you have these vats of melted colored wax. And so you dip it in one, you pull it out, and while it's still warm, you dip it in the next one, and you just keep doing that, and you you build up this shell layer of all the different colors you want. And you got to do all this really quickly because it has to stay soft. And once you get it soft, then you start taking a little knife and you start cutting in from the top down and then you bend that piece back and it exposes all the layers of the colors that were built up in there. So it looks really pretty very quickly once you start peeling those things back if you know how to do it. I didn't know how to do that. (laughs) I tried it and it looked terrible. So then I ended up just (laughs) taking, excuse me, I ended up just taking one of the cores, like after giving it a couple of shots, you know, the Chuck, the boss, was like, yeah, I mean, you're kind of using a lot of wax now, you know. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I just took another one and just, like, dipped it every a couple time of times, and it. It, was, it was yellow. And I'm like, cool, my mom gets a yellow candle. <laughs> so, That's funny. Throw, a pine, That's throw a pine cone in there and some egg, egg corns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think what I ended up doing was kind of like um, I did a, a yellow base, and then I kind of dipped the bottom of it in slightly more orange-yellow. So it has a like an ombre kind of outside color to it, mm-hmm. but it's still a gradient rather than this like real ornate, you know. And that translated to the, t- you've made a couple of guitars with like a sunburst, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that Same still sticks with you, yeah. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Candle Everything. Shop was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool place to work. Um, it was a, I don't even know how I got that job. It was a very strange thing to be able to do in college. but. And it was just in some dude's garage? Yeah, I mean, the owner, like, the shop was in the really, you know, popular string of shops in Savannah. And the people working in the shop were doing all the carving with the color stuff. So you could walk in and watch them do that carving. And then there was just a big box of these cores that I made (laughs) somewhere behind the scenes. The cool thing about that, that was the only job I've ever been fired from. (laughs) Because it was my first year of college. It was the first summer in between my freshman and sophomore years where I wasn't taking any classes. I got this job. I could pay to live there. You know, so I told my parents, I'm not coming home this summer. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to work. And 
the cool thing was that the guy was like, we just need this number of cores every week. So I don't care when you come work. Just take the bus out to my house on this island, work in the garage, you know, whenever you want to. Cool thing about that was I could also decide to just go to the beach for the afternoon if I wanted to. Hmm. The bad thing was that I decided to go to the beach <laughs> pretty much every afternoon. And I was not getting the work done. And the guy was not very uh, communicative. So one day I came home from the beach or from somewhere and I had a message on my answering machine that said, Hey, Bob, it's Chuck. You're fired. Click. Oh. And like that stuck in my head. Like I can, I can know where I was standing. I can picture the everything. Wow. Because that was the first time I'm like, oh, wow. I totally deserve that. <laughs> wow, so. that's harsh. Someone's going to take that little sound bite and make it into a ringtone that you just. <laughs> <laughs> I did call him and clear it up, and I apologize and stuff. But I was still fired, so you know. that's funny. Anyway. <laughs> that's harsh. Tell me about a time you've been fired, guys. I would love to know. I, I I, there was a time I quit. I I, I got I got docked a day. I must have told this story somewhere along the way because. It was the reason why I ended up going to college. I was, I lived about two blocks from the sign shop that I worked at in high school, and I would wake up one minute to eight, get my clothes together, and walk to the, you know, brush my teeth and walk to the sign shop. And I would always be there at like 8.01, 8.02, 8.03. And the owner's son, who was in charge, was a very disgruntled human being. He would always yell at me. He'd be like, you're the closest one to the shop and you're always late. I'm like, I'm like one minute late I'm, or right on time or two minutes late. And so on this one particular day, uh, I had worked there all summer into the fall. He, he said, that's it. Go home. The rest of you go home. No pay for the day. And I said, all right, I quit. And he goes, you can't quit. There's a lot of work to do. I said, too late. And I ripped up my time card and I stuffed it into the, the time puncher because I had just punched. And he's like, Duresta, punch out, go home. That's it. You dock for the day. And I was like, oh, really? I quit. And I ripped my time card up and jammed it back in the thing. He goes, you can't quit. We got a lot of work to do. I said, it's too late. And I walked out and I was like, what am I going to do now? And I went home and I sat at my kitchen table and I was like, okay, now this is a fork in the road. And that was the day I decided to go to the School of Visual Arts. So later that day, I was on a train, because now it was 8 in the morning, I had the whole day. Later that afternoon, I took a train to New York City, and I, I signed up for my first few classes at the School of Visual Arts. So thank you, Rick, for firing me. Not unintentionally yeah. firing me. Thanks, yeah. Rick. Because I was like in a holding pattern. I was too afraid to do anything else. And yeah. that particular day, like when he said that to me, go home. It was the first time he had been really... I was one of the most... Everybody there was productive. There was nobody that worked at that sign shop that didn't do everything they were supposed to do and more, including me. And when I just assumed I was a cocky kid, I just assumed like I could always take a minute or two. It was just, it was just me being a snot-nosed kid. And, but it really irked him. But he also, I felt he didn't appreciate what I, you know, the value I brought. He could have been a little bit more, I don't know, whatever. I was an idiot. It was my fault. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i could have so now 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 i'm always five minutes early to everything and mm. instead of always being one minute late i'd rather be five minutes early than one minute late that's what i yeah. and and then for the last 10 years me and taylor traveling together she would casually get ready i'm like we got to be at the airplane i go she's like we're going to be an hour early i'm like yeah you want to be one minute late you want to get there and beg them to open the door to the airplane i'm like i'd rather be <laughs> sitting there 
searching the internet, waiting to get called to sit on the plane. So that's why I'd always rather be early than one minute late. Yeah, I'm the same way. David, we never went back to your uh, making gifts. Did you make gifts for parents uh, or family? Uh, or I've got a – my mom still has them. There's two things that I remember making in, in shop class. And one was this little decorative cat that sits on a shelf, and its paw is hanging over the edge of the shelf. And then there's a little string um, with a mouse attached to it. So it looks like the cat <laughs> has the mouse by its tail. And uh, I – the – the paw broke off six, five, six years ago, and I repaired it. And while I was repairing it for my mom, I, I, uh, I, I remade it in, into a video. And so this is an older video of mine of remaking my very first woodworking project. So my mom still has that. And then there's this bowl that I turned on the lathe, and she puts, like, um, fluffy little pine cones and scented things in it that's but funny i made when, a bowl too every you reminded me i made a bowl in high school it's at my house it's it's really it's not good like i didn't do a good job of sanding <laughs> it so you can see lathe tool marks in it and Same. you can tell that i either got tired of making the bowl or i was really scared about thin walls because it's just so beefy like the wall is just thin, so thick my mine has thin walls at the top and it's got like a one and a half inch thick bottom and it always bothered <laughs> me because i was afraid i was going to hit the screws from the mounting plate yeah i could yeah. i could have just put smaller screws in but i didn't know any better yeah it's like a weeble my bowl's like a weeble like you could round the bottom and it would always face up because <laughs> the whole mass is at the bottom yeah. And I got no good stories of being fired. I've never been fired, and I always had a hard time quitting jobs. So mm. I've always had a hard time breaking up, getting out of relationships, and I've always had a hard time quitting jobs. I didn't want to be the bad guy. So I do you wanted remember... to stop doing this podcast like five years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know, I don't how, know to how to tell you guys. guys. <laughs> when I, was, I worked at Kmart for over eight years, and when I got my first job out of college, which was working for a newspaper doing photo development and photo scanning, I dropped down to part-time at Kmart. And so, uh, you know, I was just working evenings and, and weekends while working this full-time job at the newspaper. And eventually I'm like, okay, this is, and I was also working part-time at a recording studio. So I had three jobs at one time and uh, it was just too much. So I had to put in my two weeks at Kmart and my boss, she's like, I, you can't now. Yeah. You're, you're, I was a goody two shoes. So I was a pretty good employee. <laughs> and she's you like, you can't. can't, we need you right now. You just can't. So then how I, could you do this to us? Yeah. So I didn't quit. This is and Kmart. I, I know I kept working at Kmart and then you can't quit. quit. And by the way, we're taking away $1 per hour. Just so yeah. you know. <laughs> okay. Whatever you want. <laughs> And then she quit like a month later. And I was like, what? what? What's going on? And so then I, I put my two weeks back in. So, yeah. Maybe that's why she didn't want you to quit, because she, she knew she was on her way out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh. Hmm. Well, um, we didn't really have a topic. I did kind of, I threw out an idea that I wasn't going to talk about, but we may as well. I mean, um, so I was talking to my wife yesterday, and <clears throat> this time of year... I'm pretty much kind of done with most things. You know, I'm just like, I'm just tired. I'm ready for a couple. We always take off the last two weeks of the year. That's just a thing I've always done since I've been working. 
Um, it's just a good time to decompress for the year and stuff. And so in talking about that, I'm, my brain is beginning to shut down all of the things for the year. Uh, we started talking about like, well, what's next for, you know, videos in January. And I've been <clears throat> pushing off. I, I do have some things planned, but I've been mostly pushing off planning for videos and projects and stuff for next year just because it seems so far away it's really not now especially if I'm planning on taking off a couple of weeks and <clears throat> through the conversation we just got to talking about like I don't really have a whole lot of stuff that I'm thinking of that I'm really excited about doing and I through the conversation that led back to like all of the things that have been the impetus for ideas so far are kind of gone uh you know, like the house is pretty much renovated. The, all of the big projects that are unique and new that I had thought about doing have been done. All of the shop projects that are worth, you know, making a video about have been done for me, I'm talking about my stuff. And, you know, it was being confronted with that, like, am I out of ideas moment? And I think, I was telling you guys, I said out loud for the first time, like, I think I am. I think I am out of ideas. The caveat to that <laughs> is that, well, oh, yeah. the caveat is those, <laughs> I am out of ideas that are generated by a certain number of, like, um, sparks. The house being a spark. Think of, like, the house is right. as a renovation place. So, so you're saying the house was your muse and you need more muse. Yeah, I mean, that was one of them. I think another one has been, you know just different different topics that are interesting. Star Wars stuff has always been kind of a muse. It's a thing that cosplay, you've always done good with that. And I think a lot of those things have just I've I've gotten through everything associated with that. The the Carmagia is work to be done. You know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. there's a lot to do there and there's a lot of potential content out of it, but it's it's work to be done. It's not like a creative uh, you know, like, whoa, I'm so inspired, and now I want to go do that sheet metal repair that I need to do on the Carmagia. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there's a different thing there. Yeah. I do want to do that, but it's not it's not an inspired work. Right. And when I, through talking to her, it, it dawned on me, and I've said this before, that I don't see myself as an artist, and I know we've had that conversation a million times. But whereas when I th and the reason I say that is because when I think of an artist, I think of somebody who is inspired to create something that does not exist because it needs to exist. When I think of projects, they're typically to solve a problem. They are to make something happen that has currently not happening as it should or doesn't happen at all. And so it's like a form and function kind of thing in my mind. And so when I run out of things that need function then I start to go like, well, what is, what is the like, what, what do I do? What am I doing? What problem am I solving? I don't have, so I look at the whole like problem solving thing. Like I think, I assume a visual artist looks at, there's a blank canvas and the problem is that it's blank. The solution is that it needs to look like this. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really have that same visual thing. And so I don't know. I just wanted to talk about like muses and yeah. stuff. I, 
I think moments like this are absolutely necessary. I think the three of us, the reason we are successful at what we do is because we thrive on reinventing ourselves throughout the years. And so I think of this as like, uh, like the, the stock market. There's like ups and downs all the time, but it continually goes up over, over time. And so maybe this is like this down moment, but this is a great time. Uh, it, I think it's necessary to feel like this. So you're almost forced to come up with Bob 3.0 or 4.0 or wherever we're at. I feel like I am in a transitional period myself where uh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get rid of the how to's and just do more inspiring, creative crazy things and uh we want to start this project later this week and i don't have my i i have the the base of uh, i'm taking a lava lamp and i want to turn it into a piece of art or a piece of fine furniture right so we're starting this on thursday today is wednesday i i haven't figured out exactly how i'm going to do this yet and uh, i tried to figure it out last night and i think I'm going to come down to the wire tonight and start sketching and I'll, and I'll come up with my idea. But this right now, I currently have the feeling of I don't have I don't have the idea. This is, sucks. We're filming tomorrow. I'm paying my brother to come over tomorrow and I don't have the idea. And that's when I do my best work is when I'm under pressure. So this is one of those down points that's going to turn into Bob 4.0. Yeah, I, I definitely keep that. I definitely keep that faith that. When your back's to the wall is when you come up with your best stuff. Because it's usually for me, it's the same thing Dave just described. It's it's really important, though, to know that the only constant thing is that you're going to constantly be chasing ideas. And once you have that understanding, you know, it's never going to be a free flow. Having a muse is great. Like, I, I, here's, like this is why we started a second and we both ran and got our notebooks. I did an idea dump last night, and you could see here there's probably 15 ideas right there. Can you hold that up again so I can take a screenshot? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. You could do all of them. No. So, I mean, I can go through it quickly. I want to put cemetery gates on the front of the house. I have to finish the boat. I want to make these little metal metal light cages for those, like, fiery fake digital lights. Uh, I have to make light posts. I have to make 15 light posts along the driveway down the back. I want to make a mechanical pen. I want to come up with a new razor blade. I want to, uh, I want to do a Carolina cutting board with the footprints laser etched or, or inset into it. I still have to make the pool table. I have to remake a truck bed. And then there's big things like barn projects because I built myself a <laughs> I like a barn. how a pool table wasn't a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I'm working. I've been working with a knife company behind the scenes to make a pocket knife. I have to make a large ceramic something. I'm making a Smithtown sign for Smithtown. I got a head head slip cast, bathroom makeover, uh, back porch makeover, and shoe rack. And that's where. And then last night as I was leaving the shop, walking up from the back shop to the house, I'm like, oh yeah. And then there's that. That's a big great idea. When I get to my notebook, I'll write it down. And I got up to the house, grabbed my notebook, and I couldn't for the life of me remember what I wanted to write down. Mm-hmm. So there's like other ideas that float around. So what what helps me is constantly pulling out my phone and writing a list. Even when you get inspired for the slightest thing, Bob, like when it's like sheet metal, just type sheet metal. Because when the initial reason you write sheet metal down is to patch a hole in the Carmen Ghia. But then you might be inspired to make a sheet metal bread mm-hmm. pan. That's a mm-hmm. tool tray. You know, just the idea. Because then when you go back to sheet metal, sometimes I play these tricks with myself. I go back, I go sheet metal, sheet metal. Hmm. I don't even remember why I wrote sheet metal. 
Hmm. And then you start thinking yeah. of like, you remind your future self to brainstorm off of a, of a tab that you left. And so it's important to, and I don't do it enough, just as I explained, it's important the minute you get inspired by something, write it in your palm or write it on the corner of an envelope. Because when you think you're going to put a little bit more power onto it or energy is when you realize you forgot it. So even just those little random notes of anything, even if it's like you walk past a cool chair in the window of a shop, just stop and take a picture of it. Because then in like a month from now, when you're looking for ideas and you're looking for something, you'll see that thing and you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah I remember I liked something about that. You know, so it's really important to put more in so you can get more out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really what I always say. The more input you get, just scroll through Instagram, even though scrolling is sometimes seems like a waste of time. What you're really doing is implanting mm -hmm. ideas. And uh, where did we go? We went, oh, we went to an antique shop over the weekend, me and Derek. We got to our garbage pick early, me, Derek, and our new friend, Scott. We got to our garbage pick early. And so we had two hours to kill because it was in another town. Anyway, there was an antique shop. And we walked through the antique shop and it wasn't great. It was like a big antique mall. There wasn't any like groundbreaking cool stuff there. But what was there was tons of visual stimulation. And while I was walking through there, I took a couple of phone notes. And those phone notes will turn into something, maybe something completely different. And that's why you got to keep your mind open to be like, sheet metal is a subject that can go in a billion directions. But you also got to kind of be loose and free and be like, let me put down end table with lamp. Hmm, that's a good, that's, that's a beautiful end table with a lamp. I don't want to make exactly that, but what can I make as an end table with a lamp? You know, walk through, walk through furniture, sure. The, those antique malls are, are, are rich with information. And Dave, I you do it a lot. Too. I am, I, I, and I don't buy anything hardly ever. You know, I'll come out with like $10 I never buy, stuff, I never yeah. buy anything. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's just so fun. I'm wondering, so Bob mentioned, uh, he, it, it's function over form, so and it's problem solving. So maybe you have to figure out a way to brainstorm problems, like create. Maybe this next version of Bob is is creating problems to solve, and that sounds weird. But <laughs> that's and that is the name. That is the name of Dave Bauer's podcast. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> shout out, creating problems to solve, and that's what he basically talks about how to. How to, how to make fodder for us to, to do what yeah. we do. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's one of the the things that I kind of go back and forth on. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that I put all of these constraints on myself. Like, I am this way. I like this thing. I don't like this thing. And I put all these constraints in, which then inform what I allow myself to pursue or not pursue. So... What I mean by that is creating problems to solve. The world has enough problems by itself. And so then when I think about like actively looking, creating situations that don't exist, creating drama or and we even do this with the videos. It's like we have the opportunity to create an unnecessary drama to make the video more enticing. <laughs> to people. And I hate that. I hate that. It makes me just bleh, makes me feel gross. You mean like the plot point where it's like, oh, we don't have the material. Yeah, it's like I know that they do that in TV. They build those into the flow of the, you know, the ups and downs. That happens naturally sometimes to us. This last video I was talking about. Well, it, it happens it every happened. time. But I hate to manufacture it. And so what I mean is I put that same feeling onto what you just said, David, where it's like creating problems to solve. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be over the top. I know that's not what you meant. But I still put that thing in my head yeah. where I... It holds well, me back from doing that, you know. 
I mean, what if you went to the antique mall and you found something that is not useful anymore because of modern technology, but you modernize that. So the the problem that you're creating is taking something old and adding your spin to Mm -hmm. it, you know, turning a gasoline powered something into an electric powered something. That sounds fun. A perfect, a perfect example. This is me a couple of weeks ago. So I got a message, you know, you guys, everybody knows I went through some life changes recently, which kind of sidetracked me a little bit here and there and whatever, whatever my relationship status changed, but it was difficult on coupling for all this time. And so I got a little behind in some of my obligations. And one of them was Carolina shoes. I, I owe them more videos than I was able to supply this year. And so I get a message from them. They're like, Hey, let's not forget you got these videos to do. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so I was in an antique shop. There's an antique. It's really more of like a high end antique furniture place. It's where you can find like industrial furniture for thousands of dollars. It's a place over here in Hudson, New York. And it's called the warehouse, warehouse 21. If anybody knows, you can go in there and buy like a beautiful bed, but you know, of course a couple thousand dollars, but it's a beautifully preserved or restored antique. Not tchotchkes, but I was walking through the place when I got that message and I was with a friend. I'm like, oh man, I'm kind of behind on my Carolina shoe stuff. And we're walking through and, uh, and I was like, well, we're here now. I'll find an idea before we get to the end of this place. And we walked past the guy that had more tchotchke stuff. But one of the things he had was a shoe shine box from the, the turn of the century, like a legit shoe shine box that somebody, you know, he was selling as an antique and it had some stuff in it. And I was like, hmm, we don't shine shoes, but what, you know, you sit on that. And then, and then that led to the little shoe sit down shelf table that I just posted the reel on yesterday. But I did make a full length video. So there I went from having no ideas for Carolina shoes to having the shoe sit down, put your shoes on, store your shoes bench, which a lot of people liked. And I emailed the file to a few friends uh, right there at the moment where I'm like, oh, I need to come up with something. I'm not saying it's a groundbreaking idea, but it's an interesting idea that the average person could look at. And, and a lot of people said, that's a very useful idea. I need to make one of those for myself. And in the process of making it, I was like, it would look much cooler if it was leather. And so in the video, I kind of take this little side path and make a leather version. But I was in the right place at the right time to come up with that idea. If I hadn't walked through that antique shop and I got that phone call while I was just in the workshop, I would have still encountered that same frustration of like, oh, I know I have to come up with an idea. I don't know what it's going to be. But I was in the opportunity of being, okay, let me use this environment to find this an avenue or problem to solve. And so environment is a huge, huge part yeah. of coming up with new stuff. You know, it's really difficult to just sit at your desk and go, oh, i got to come up with new stuff. You know, the internet is there, but it is more useful to have physical mm-hmm. physical interaction with your space and surroundings to really get inspired. And that was one of the things Jenny was telling me, too, when we were talking about this, was that <clears throat> she didn't say it this way, but I, it dawned on me that I really, like, I'm at the house. I go to the office. I don't even get out to the farm very much anymore because of like a car situation and that's it like i don't i don't go Good. anywhere i don't see anything i occasionally I find myself stuck in the house for a few days and then i just go you know what i'm gonna go to tractor supply i don't need yeah. anything but i just gotta go and just get out i gotta go to home depot i'm gonna go buy one paintbrush at home depot and drive 25 miles to home depot but it's really just to visually stimulate what's happening yeah. around me and i think me me not having like a car that i'm that I can rely on for this long has been probably a bigger factor than I would like to admit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not being able to just go to Home Depot and like, cause I used to do that too. I'd just go and walk through the aisles and look for stuff that I've never had to look at before. 
And, yeah. and that can be really fun and helpful. So I think that's one thing that I want to do this coming up year is try to not necessarily take more trips because trips are good and bad. and trips they, suck. you know, But um, <laughs> Sucks to just leave. like try to just be exposed to more stuff outside of the daily rhythm. I think that's going to be a big part of, you know, getting inspiration past what I can see on a daily basis. Um, I think the other thing is I'm, I'm trying to figure out, we're still trying to figure out the whole balance between, you know, I can ask somebody, like I could ask my wife for an idea and she could give me like, I need a, I don't know, a spoon for the kitchen, like a spoon rest or something. Cool. I can do that in a day. That's a short term project. But that solves the issue for a week, maybe. That's not a long-term, like, I need constant inspiration and, yeah, like, notebook type things. You, you need an idea dump. That's I do that. On, but what I'm saying is I need to I need to figure out a way to, you know, schedule in, like, those trips or going to places or something that can that's sustainable, I guess is what I'm saying. Not just, like, one-off ideas. I would like you know, long-term inspiration things. I don't, I don't really know what it is yet, but that's one of the things I'm going to look for this year is how to build in, like... You know, I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going to start a fire right now. Everybody go to Bob's comment section and just say one word ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to... Now, Bob, you're going to be forced to read them. You and Megan, you're going to have to be forced to read them and you're going to be like... Oh, yeah, that's just going to give Megan a lot of That one word really... That. <laughs> <laughs> that one word, that one word is... That's what I needed to set off yeah. this fire. You know, so these muses could be just well, one I think words, the, you know, just write funny the other words. The other big thing, and we've talked about this many times, is that I'm now at a point in this career where the... The stuff that's reasonable to do, this the the stuff that I'm interested in, that I want to do, that can be done in a week or a day, I've done most of it. I know there's a bunch of other stuff that I've never done, and I'm not, it, but for me. And so the stuff that makes me excited is, <clears throat> like you, you, you mentioned turning something gasoline into electric. That sounds awesome. And it also takes a huge mm-hmm. amount of time and money. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the things that I actually am inspired to do just take so much time. And so, you know, like I've said before with the whole schedule thing, it's just a weird trade-off of trying to figure out how to take that stuff that's really interesting and make it work over time and still do other stuff in between it to keep everything, you know, moving. So, um that's that's still another thing. Like, you know, we talked about um, <clears throat> you guys were both looking at properties and stuff. And we had considered that as well. Like, well, what if we got a, a house that we could use as a rental property and then, you know, we could make some content around the, the you know, renovating it or whatever. But the investment there is so big, both from time and from money, to have something to show for it. Um. I don't know. It's like hard to justify that stuff, you know, as an almost as an experiment. It's kind of an experiment. Like it, it might work, it might not. I've done a lot of renovation stuff, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure that like for me that that would be the a different enough, inspiring enough, new, long term thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I haven't leaned into that one so much. But I don't know. You got your A frame to yeah. build. That could be ten yeah. part series. Oh, it'd be it'd be a lot for sure. But there again, it's, you know, I don't know, 150, 200,000 in material and then my time, which is 
It's only five thousand dollars at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who wants to donate Bob material for Zay Frame? So oh, there no you excuses. go. Yeah. So, Somebody wants on. to give me the material for a house? Sure, I'll take that. There's going to be a GoFundMe tonight. <laughs> no, please don't do that. <laughs> don't start a I'm GoFundMe, <laughs> Bob. Don't do that. But if you work on a construction site and you're in the uh, start start dropping off extra two by fours at my house, Eastern Midwest. <laughs> yeah, start dropping off stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I think the big thing for me going into the new year is, uh, in regards to that, is trying to relax some of the some of the self-imposed constraints. I think, you know, I put a yep. lot of constraint on my my own creativity and what I think is good content and what I think is my strength. Yeah, you got to ask, you got to be honest with yourself, not you, but all of us. We all have to be honest because I know I do. You have to be honest with yourself and say, why am I not pursuing this idea? Exactly. It's a decent yeah. idea. Why am I not pursuing it? Because it's cold out or because... Oh, I don't want to go and travel and get that material, or I don't want to have to order a, a sheet of eighth-inch steel that's going to be too heavy to move around. There's always a one thing that holds up a decent idea, but you know the idea would be a solid video or at least a solid ex expression of whatever it is you want to make, whether you're a videographer or not. But there's always that one thing you really got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, let me confront this issue and get past it, and then then the idea begins to flow or the idea begins to come together. Yeah. So I think I'm going to try to loosen that stuff on myself this next year and probably just try to make sure I'm scheduling in time every week or two to go see something I've never seen before. Just mm -hmm. to, you know, yeah. whether it's local and, or, and or to, otherwise, just, just to get out. To bring it back to, to the A-frame, you know, you, you immediately get overwhelmed by the amount of money you will spend when it's done. But, you know, I'm building this barn out here. This this will be like a half a million dollar barn when it's done, but I don't have that much money at one time to spend. So I'm spending 10000 12000 10000 12000 you know, as I go. And then I'm at a point now where I'm not doing anything, but, you know, bank accounts are just like like calories. you gotta, <laughs> you got to spend a little bit less than you earn. Easy. You know, you gotta you gotta just spend a little bit less than you earn or slow down once in a while. And so I'm slowing down, I'm building back up and you know, once uh, the architect comes back with the plan for the walls and the siding, then you know, I'll jump back into the pond and figure out what I need to spend, how I need to spend mm. it in bits and pieces. Mm. If I had all the money at once or if I decided to take out a construction loan, which I don't wanna do, I would move a little bit faster. Yeah. But there's no urgency at this point because it's covered. the The urgency was to get a good roof on it, and that's that's now the structure is somewhat safe. But now the next the next hurdle is to get the walls closed. Well, and that's an interesting thing, right there too, because some people will take on a big project. Like Laura is is taking on her house, like start to finish, as far as I can tell. I mean, she that's the only thing she's. she's it's going to be a whole new house. It's, that's going to be. It's going to literally be a completely different house that looks exactly the same when she's done, but <laughs> modernized. But I mean, one approach safe. is to. Like, I'm doing this now, and I'm going to do this until it's done. The other approach is I'm going to do mm -hmm. a little bit of it now, and then I'm going to go do some other stuff. I'm going to come right. back and do the next step. Right. And, you know, and those both right. have, I'm sure, benefits and, you know, the pros and cons for algorithmically and all that type of stuff. But as far as, like, workload, too, like, it's exhausting to renovate a house. And, man, she's got to be yeah. just wiped out all the time. You're doing a lot of work. Yeah, you need help. You, you need help. You're just gonna. That's why. And now, especially at my age, and 
anytime. I have guys doing all mm-hmm. this for me. But I'm there helping them decide and making decisions. And it's, it's too labor-intensive. I'll do small, fun stuff. That's why I said barn projects. Yeah. Right. Lighting, doors, trim, windows. You know, stuff that's you know, more digestible for, for me alone. Hardware, you know, blacksmith some of the hardware for some of the, the various spots inside the place. Whatever. Cool. Nope. Well, any other thoughts on, on inspiration stuff? I any think other tips for free, me free your mind yeah. and the rest <laughs> will follow. No, that's not, that's a inspirational right there. That sounds familiar. Um, I think for me, I can receive all the advice in the world. But if the initial idea doesn't come from myself, I don't feel like it's it's mine. So yeah. uh, it, it's always like I'll take input, but I have to somehow feel like the idea is mine for it to really stick. So yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta free your mind from that because somebody around you might suggest that one thing. You know, be, let's say you have that you have that mindset of like. I don't really want your idea because I don't want to put, I don't want to mentally share it with you because then you're going to be like, Oh, how's our idea coming? And that's the worst thing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but to, to share ideas with people and then leapfrog from their suggestion in a brainstorm session and go, ah, thank you very much. You just triggered something. Now I know mm-hmm. what I want to do and it wouldn't have been there for you. So you, you played a great part, but don't come back and ask him where our idea is. Cause it's no longer your idea. <laughs> you got me doing this other thing now. You got me on another trip. So thank you for that. And here's your two cents. Have yeah. a nice day. You know, so don't be afraid to brainstorm with somebody because they're basically going to present you a rung of the ladder to get you to the next mm-hmm. step. Yeah, that's something I have problem with too, for sure. That's another one of those. Because you're afraid, you're afraid someone's going to spit out the idea that makes you sweat. And you're like, yeah, yeah, now it's not mine. <laughs> I have to do it the way yeah. you want. Yep. <clears throat> I wanted to do that. I wanted to build the Batman car. <laughs> Shit, I anybody I'm going to build the Batman car. It's called the Batmobile, by the way. Not the Batman car. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, to the Batman car. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out. This year, um, we've had a lot of support over there. Really grateful for everybody. Um, at all the different levels, we've got top supporters that kind of go above and beyond, and they are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Scott Warham, Warren Works, Michael Manegin, Gretchen Hofer, and The Web Ranch Woodworks. But there's a bunch of other people thank you, everybody. like uh, Rupert. Thank you, thank you, thank Hoffer? you, thank you. Rupert. I don't, sorry thank if you, I Rupert. mangled your last name. Um, but lots of people help us out. They all get the after show, no matter the level of support. Um, so if you want to, if you want to join up and you know give us a, a dollar an episode or something, you get the after show. Also, it helps are... if your last name is pronounceable. So true. If, <laughs> yeah. If you I mean, have I'll a, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. If you have a name like Pachuto, don't 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 support us. We. It's hard. Too hard to say. No, don't Pachu- tell people. Pachu- yeah. Pistachio. <laughs> David Pistachio. Like the meat. Uh, yeah. Just in case everybody doesn't already know this, I may have already said this. At one point, um, when I was adding David to my phone or something, it replaced his last name with Potato. Mm. And so for a real, I just saved it. And so for a long time, you were David Potato on my phone. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I, th- I think I fixed it. I'm curious to see how I. I see anyway, uh, if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com/slash making it. You get the after show. 
uh, we would greatly appreciate the support. David? Is that spelled right? It is. Yep. Yep. Oh, wow. They must have updated then. Yeah, I think like, it auto-updated to the correct. <laughs> Good. I liked, I, liked, I liked potato better. But... It's, it's funny. Kelly, yeah. uh, as a joke, I put uh, Kelly's icon in my contacts as a hot dog. And she's a vegetarian, so every time she calls or texts me, a hot dog shows up. And it's just, it makes me giggle every single yep. time. <laughs> um, so big thanks to the Patreon supporters. Uh, we we are really grateful for you all. You guys got anything to recommend this week? Sure. You know, you, I'll recommend some because you just reminded me of it, and it's made me laugh. If you guys don't know, three D DIY Dave on Instagram, go check him out. He's very 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 funny, and he he has a he's the guy that did the three D scan of me and many other people at Maker Camp. And then this weekend, while we were at the Total Boat, Dave sent an envelope, and it was all of us. 3D printed at eight at zero scale or O scale, the figures were about one and a eighth of an inch tall, and in the diorama there's me, there's Dre, there's Derek, there's Paul, and a few other people are in the diorama that that Dave Dave printed 3D DIY Dave and Dave made uh, he he scanned himself and he scanned a hot dog and he put his face and arms and legs on a hot dog so he's like a little hot dog man <laughs> which is very nice very awesome. so check him out. Uh, I want to, just in case I misspoke earlier, I want to thank Paul for the Air Force uh, base tour. He is an F-16 mechanic and jet engine specialist. So again, thank you, Paul. Uh, That was just absolutely amazing. Um, My pick this week is going to be Zach from ZH Fabrications. We'll link to his Instagram. He's just an incredible artist and all-around good person and has uh um an amazing liquor cabinet full of like he's got a full bar in his house like it's it's uh it's 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 well stocked and it was it was impressive just as if as impressive as his shop so thank you zach he's a good dude good dude um so mine is a show that i just started watching and so i i can only speak to the first episode so uh, you know like everything who knows but it's called limitless with chris hemsworth the thor guy and mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i'd heard about this show it's it's on disney plus but i think it's actually one of the national geographic shows like i think they did it through national geographic so you can watch it different places but the first episode at least i think the whole thing is about him kind of uh taking on health stuff and you know stress stuff and trying to, it's like a combination of doing extreme things in the world that are visually interesting. And then they're also tying it into, you know, like how that affects you and your mind and all this type of stuff. And so I didn't watch it at first because it seemed, I don't know, I didn't know if it was like a self-helpy kind of show or if it was, you know, like, all you got to do is jump out of a plane and then all your problems will be solved. Like, I don't know what the intent was. So I decided to give it a shot. The first episode is about stress. And the thing I liked about it is that it, the setup for the show is he deals with a lot of stress in his life, and he, he's not great at handling it. And so they have three days, and then he's going to walk on top of this. He's going to walk across the top of this building, which is like I don't, 90 stories or some ridiculous thing up there. And so he immediately starts stressing about having to do this thing. So the episode is about you have three days to learn how to manage your stress. 
And so he has like a, a psychiatrist or some doctor there that's giving him tips and training him when you're in stressful situations, this is what's happening physiologically to your body. This is why you get the sweats. This is why your heart rate elevates this, you know, so she's going through the science of this is what actually is happening to you when you're stressed. And this is what you can do to counteract it so that you're in control of how you handle it. And that was when I was like, Oh, okay. So this isn't just like a, all you got to do is like, tell yourself that you can do it kind of show, or all you got to do is jump off a mountain. It's, it's telling it why it's a problem. And granted, this, the situation is extreme. Yeah, he's getting on top of a building. But the show is about learning how to deal with something on the way to that big event. And so <clears throat> it, it was really interesting uh, just to hear they kind of have some graphics of like the human body and they show, you know, when, you, when you're in fight or flight, you have cortisol and adrenaline both are released and it does this to your blood vessels and it does this to your brain and... If you stay at that level, this is what it does to you, to your health. And so you have to figure out how to pull that back. And it was a cool, it was a very National Geographic way to do that. And I thought it was pretty cool. And like I said, I'm only one episode in and I don't even think I finished that episode, honestly. But it seemed pretty cool. And I'm excited to see, um, you know, the rest of it and how they, what are the things they tackle? This first one was just about stress. I know I heard... Uh, uh, headline or something somewhere that in one of these episodes he does like a DNA thing, like a genetics test, and he found that he's uh, predisposed to some sort of a Alzheimer's or something. And so <clears throat> in filming this show, he actually found out something he wasn't expecting about his potential future health. And because of that, he decided to take a break from acting and pull back on his contribution to his career to make sure that he's investing in his family while he doesn't have any of these symptoms that he may or may not end up having. Well, wow. I was like, whoa, wow, that's uh-huh. like pretty, that's pretty deep. You know, you go to like make a TV show yeah. and then you end up realizing that you need to kind of reevaluate some stuff in your life. That's pretty crazy. So anyway, well, if we could read the it's future, an interesting show so far. Different. Give it a shot or don't. Where do you find um, it? It's on, you can watch it on Hulu and Disney Plus and probably online somewhere. I don't really know all the places, but so there's that. Uh, you guys got anything else? That's it. Cool. All right. Well, free your mind, free, free your mind, mind and, and the, the rest, rest will follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, big thanks uh, to everybody for listening this week. We appreciate it. Hope you're having a good holiday season. We'll probably record next week, but no promises. Probably will. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Happy holidays. Well, thanks for listening, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Later. Love you. Bye.